right, everyone. Welcome to the show. Tennessee Wildcast, the weekly podcast for the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Good to have you back here again. I'm going to tell you right up front, all those shows that you haven't watched, y'all go watch them. Yeah. If you're new, because there's a lot of shows that came before this one, you'll learn a lot about what's going on in your state with the Wildlife Resources Agency and with a lot of good sportsmen who work here in other places. Right. Jason Harmon. You can watch and listen out there on tmwildcast.com and, and uh, that'll get you to every show and you can stay connected. Watch him do some of his extra stuff out on our Facebook. Yeah, a little shorter version. Speaking of that, before we get into some of our current events, you've had Cape Taylor on recently talking about baiting on an extra. Really good piece that Mm -hmm. straightened out some stuff. Yep. That's on Facebook. And also, Banner, you'll see it going across the top. You talked with Richard Kirk about what's going on with the turkey study in Middle Tennessee. And that's on Mm -hmm. that. We put that on the banner, right? Yep. Went up on the banner. And then, uh, and then Barry Cross put out this cool video about the new vendor service in Tennessee then for our licensed agents and for you the sportsman that will really explain it well right and why you're getting a piece of paper now that looks like that right there like when that. you go buy a license mm-hmm. right yep and we're gonna have to repeat all that in in uh, on March 1st <laughs> when everybody when the most people go out and start buying their license again but new vendor system we've been talking about now for a few weeks uh, licensed agents are distributing these papers like this everything's made to just make it more just make it easier for you to get a license now whether you shop for them yourself or go to a license agent right stick that thing in your pocket get it on your mobile device your iphone or your android or whatever you Mm -hmm. like and just say mr officer here's my license and you're covered or have have pieces of paper like jason always says stick one in your wallet yeah stick one in your pocket stick one in your glove compartment print off as many of those as you want to and have them wherever you need them uh, tackle box and whatnot. And yeah, and one thing we had to add, if you were to buy, if you buy, when you buy a license like this and you decide, hey, I, I just bought the fishing license or the Type 01 license, I think now I want to go buy a WMA permit and because and, I'm going to go hunting squirrel on whatever WMA. Mm-hmm. You could just throw that one away, go purchase it either online or at a license agent, and then they just add the next line below the line above it. So it just keeps building up and easy for you to see. Yeah, just like on the screen there, it shows a big game and a, and a resident combo on the same t- license. And you can buy those separate, and if you buy them you know, one after each other, they'll – line up on that sheet for they you. They will. And, and of course, all that advertising on the side, you can cut all. You can cut your license right out of there. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to look at that advertising, but we want you to, right? Yeah. Might be and, some good information in And there. a cool thing coming up soon, I mean, you know, we've hinted at it before, and we're going to have a hard copy. I mean, a hard license. A, a, you know, just coming out. It's a collector's license, we're calling it, by illustrated by a guy named Ralph McDonald, who's one of the best wildlife artists in the country. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be making a big deal out of that, but you're going to like it. It's five extra bucks if you want to carry it around. But it's going to be a cool license to have with some wonderful art. It's going to have a deer on this one and yep. a fish on the one in the spring. That More of that coming later. But yeah, that'll fit right in your wallet, just next to your credit card, and have it with you all the time. Have you been out muzzleloader hunting? I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm going to say uh, yes. Okay, you're going to say yes. <laughs> all right. But we are in muzzleloading season now, and hope you're having a good season. The weather's working for you. Uh, it's a full two-week season, so you got another week or so to go. Look at your guide, okay, because I don't have it sitting right in front of me. Uh, but after that's done, what begins? Gun gun season. Conventional gun. So mm-hmm. it's gun time now for you, and it's an exciting time, and hopefully the weather will work out and we'll have a big harvest this year across Tennessee. Plenty of deer out there. and want to remind all you folks that are coming into muzzleloader, and some of you will hunt for the first time with your gun this year, that we have a new law as, as pertaining to our deer our bucks and what what um, makes an antlered deer now. Is what, mm-hmm. That's what they want it to be called, an antlered deer. And if an antler breaks the skin on a deer, if it gets above that hairline, 
it is a it's considered an antler or a buck and you right. can only get two of those this year so keep that in mind there's a lot written about it in our hunting guide or on our website lots of information been out there so be careful with what if you're a big if you like to hunt bucks then you're gonna have to be careful be okay? careful all right yep all right so and uh, get those youngsters out there still uh even though they they've had their hunt they still want to keep hunting right mm-hmm. uh, we're going this week all of us are going todd's going and uh, well todd might be going but jason's going lee's going we're all going over to kentucky up to kentucky gonna get some video of carp yeah and, and catching some carp hopefully yeah catching a bunch of carp and trying to figure out how to get rid of these things and we'll bring you some video on that the asian carp they're interested asian carp for sure these are silver carp you're looking at but we have big head and and silver are the ones that are most thought of in trying to figure out ways to stop their spread across Tennessee and Kentucky and, and maybe get some commercial fishermen to work with us, and we'll be bringing some information on that. And I also want to remind you, the Corps of Engineers sent us a press release, and I appreciate them for doing that. The U.S. Corps of Engineers here in Nashville sent a press release letting sportsmen know that if you fish below dams, that they have now put lights on above the gates. There's two things there. There's generators and there's gates. The generators are dangerous enough. You need to be careful around them. But if you go to the gates and they open them, that's when that water spills. And that's when you really need to move away from there, move downstream. And they've got lights on there now. These lights will go off along with other stuff, letting mm-hmm. you know that the gates are opening and to move away. And right. if the gates are way, way open, I think all of you got enough common sense to know when there's too much water spilling, just don't go at all. Uh, and sometimes that happens in flood situations. Make sure you got the life jacket on. Always. And it's the law below a dam, whether it's a TVA dam or a Corps of Engineers dam. And these are core dams we're talking about, um, right? A lot of them here in the mid-state, up mm-hmm. in Kentucky. That's where the Cumberland River flows a lot. Yep. Anyway, flows outside Middle Tennessee a little bit. All right. What else? Anything before I think, we go? I think we should bring in our guest now. Let's do. He's a, new, he's a new person for us. I got to meet him just a minute ago, and it's Brandon Simcox. And Brandon is... A young, um, a young biologist force. He's working as our statewide river and streams coordinator. Right. And yeah. boy, that sounds like fun, Brandon. It's a blast. Yeah, that sounds like a dream job. There's a lot of people out there jealous right now <laughs> over what you get to do. So let's let's learn a little bit about you. We're going to talk about the winter trout stocking program, which you're heading up. Mm-hmm. But you also like to fish in the in the small waters, and we will talk about that someday. But right. let's talk about Brandon a little bit. Where'd you grow up, and where'd you go to school? So I'm a Memphis native. Um, from West Tennessee, went to school at University of Tennessee in Knoxville, got my bachelor's degree in wildlife and fisheries management from there, and then I went on and got my master's degree from Auburn University Very good. Um, in fishery science. I've kind of, after that, kind of bounced around for a while doing different fisheries tech jobs out in Utah and Oregon and Washington, and came back here for a little while, worked for the Smoky Mountain National Park for a little bit, and then I uh, took a job down in Florida, and I was a fisheries biologist down there for about Tampa, f- four yeah. years. Yep, down yeah. in Tampa, okay. yeah, for the southwest region. So you've seen all kinds of fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've worked trout, snook, redfish, bass, crappie, you what, name it. What did you do out in Utah? Out there, I was working on brook trout in some high alpine lakes. I worked on some cutthroat trout restoration. Good fishing out there? Oh, great Is fishing. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Utah doesn't come to my mind. I'm sure avid trout fishermen oh, know yeah. Utah's a fantastic oh, trout yeah. fishery. It's great. Yep. Little town I was living in had a couple of blue water or blue ribbon streams running right through it. It was 
It was really good. Did you stay in those a lot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> working and not working? Yep. Sampling? Yep. Hey, some of the sampling <clears throat> did, did did require the fly rod out there. So. <laughs> hey, that's that's why the job's so great. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I think he can show you how to catch some fish. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> if you can do that, we'll keep you on. We'll keep videoing you we'll, for sure. We'll make a star out of you if you can show us how to catch uh, a fish. <laughs> all right. Well, good deal. So you, you worked all over the country, and mm-hmm. here you are. You're still an awful young guy to have been all over the country. So yeah. you've been pretty busy. Yep. Plus, all the way till Max degree right yeah yeah i was very fortunate early on at ut to have a good uh advisor there to kind of <clears throat> get me going in the right direction to kind of push me to go do a bunch of different things and was able to finally work my way back to tennessee I was gonna say, so are you home i'm home are you here to stay yep i'm here to all stay right. all right you're up in our fisheries division working with frank fiss and yep. and all the guys up there and, and um, forming a strong team up there you're getting ready to to do something that the sportsmen like in our state that was started about a decade ago, mm-hmm. uh, give or take, and that stock trout, winter trout in our state. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference, before we talk about where and all that stuff, what's the difference in a winter trout program and the spring trout program? Okay, so yeah, the winter trout program starts here actually at the end of the month. It's going to get cranked up. usually runs from late, Dece- or late November uh, through about February, and then the March or the spring program starts in March and runs through about June, July, with some of those streams kind of continuing on into as late as September. Um, the winter trout program is mainly focused on stocking in uh, city areas, uh, kind of in central, um, kind of trying to attract those urban anglers that don't really have those opportunities to do much trout fishing at all, or in those areas that have no trout fishing. Um, or very limited access to it. And so, yeah, that's kind of the whole goal of it is to attract those those uh, new anglers out of urban areas, give them a, an extra opportunity to catch trout across the state. Okay. All right. So this happens in the winter. We And I don't want to confuse folks. We also, if you look in our guide, in our fishing guide, you'll see where there's a lot of streams that are stocked oh, April, May, June. And those those we usually announce if if I, or we used to. You can tell me if we still do, Brandon. We would tell folks the week of, mm-hmm. the county and the body of water, whereas the winter stocking, different bodies of water mostly. I yep. think all of them are. Yep. And we give them the exact day. Exact day almost when the to truck's going to be there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's done just to so they can make sure they come take these fish? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We're, uh, the whole goal is for these anglers to get out there and to, to harvest these fish. I mean, that's what they're there for. So, so it's a put-and-take. It is. It's mm-hmm. a complete put-and-take fishery. Yep. Okay. Which is not to say the spring, some of the spring's not, because a lot oh, of that's put-and-take, too. Yeah. But. Yeah. So b- both of those systems um, or those programs, these that fish survival is really dictated by the warm water in the summer. Okay. And so, you know, throughout the season, they'll survive throughout the winter, but when the water starts warming up, it's... Uh, they're going to have a hard time hanging on. They are, and that's what they do. And just if you're not familiar with it, this this mostly happens in Middle Tennessee and and uh, west of here, right? And a little bit east here. It goes up at least around Cumberland County, Crossville or so. I yeah, think maybe a little further east. But East Tennessee's blessed with streams oh, they've and got, trout, yeah. so yep. not so much there. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So we stock about for the winter trout program about uh, 40 different locations across the state. Okay. Uh, mainly in Region One, West Tennessee, and Middle Tennessee here, um, in about 30 different counties, um, get stocked uh, for the winter program, and then the the spring program is more kind of 
expands those opportunities up here in East Tennessee and up on the plateau with some stock and that does take place in West and Central Tennessee here. Okay, all right. And an idea of it here in Middle Tennessee, like it's a tailwater below Percy Priest Dam, mm-hmm. really warm water in the summer, but very right. cold in the winter. Right. Or uh, I know we uh, on the Cumberland Plateau cro- near Crossville, we stock a little lake over there used to. Way too warm in the summertime. Mm-hmm. It's just an example. Right. So it could be anywhere from a small stream to a relatively to at least a river sized body of water to a pond. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Or yep. a small lake even? Yeah, most of our stocking well, a lot of our stocking for the winter program is actually done in ponds. Okay. Um, there at city parks. That's where a lot of them take place. Oh, I did just get get outside and even in the wintertime. Exactly, yeah. And, and go feed. Okay. Are there limits on these fish? Are there size limits or are there krill limits on the winter trout stocking program? So on the winter trout, uh, it follows a statewide trout regulation. That's a seven fish bag limit. Uh, with no size limit on those fish. Um, All those fish are stocked at about 10 inches, and they're not really going to put on much growth throughout the winter. And so they're there, ready for the grill. All right. Eat them right there. Mm -hmm. Take a well. Almost right there. (laughs) If you like sushi, I guess you could eat them right there, but you might want to cook them. All right. So that's great. Um, Hatcheries at that bring them to us who who creates them or who produces them in tennessee okay so we have uh four state hatcheries uh, that's buffalo springs irwin state uh, teleco and flintville and then we work with irwin national fish hatchery um that's up in around elizabethan and dale Hollow national fish hatchery so irwin national provides eggs to buffalo springs uh, buffalo springs will hatch them out and then grow them up to various sizes. Um, then they'll take fish and run them over to Irwin State Hatchery where we'll grow them out to a stockable size. And then Irwin State kind of stocks a lot of those streams kind of up around East Tennessee. Um, Dale Hollow National Fish Hatchery provides trout to like Teleco, and then we'll grow those fish up to kind of more a little bit more advanced size uh, for stocking. Flintville is kind of off on their own. They uh, actually get eggs from... Uh, trout hatchery out west in washington and so they grow them up from egg to um, harvestable size mainly for our winter trout program and for some of the uh, spring stocking okay i I don't know what you're showing up there jason excuse me but one of the one of the shots is of a hatchery and this is what a this is if you can pull that one up it's what a it's what a typical trout hatchery looks like it's a raceway it's not a big pond it's a long it's it's long water like this and there's a reason for that right yeah so that that's the whole flow through system right there um we do have actually in flintville we had just added a, a circular tank inside really? the building inside okay and so we're actually growing trout in there kind of testing that whole that all out to see how those fish are doing and we actually those fish were hatched in february and we have them already up to about nine inches so they're going to be ready to that's go awesome. yeah. usually within the within the raceways those fish are about 18 months before they're actually stocked out is, is it looking at that raceway is it do you segregate the fish in sizes a lot of times the yeah so do that? they will yep so they'll uh kind of uh parse those fish out into different size classes and so the they can, you know, kind of promote the feed a little bit more to get those fish grown a little bit. And I guess kind of feed size out, is different. Yep, though, yeah, and okay. grade them out and then uh, so they, get they, them out for stocking. My understanding for you then, this is Flintville. This is down in Lincoln County. Mm-hmm. But they start, they start in a building usually where they're either at eggs or just hatched out. Right. And then they, whatever size they get to inside, eventually they move out into that raceway and move down that raceway mm-hmm. until the big trucks come to get them. Mm-hmm. Pick them up. And they either stay free for a little while or they, or they become dinner. <laughs> and so, are, are we putting in the winter trout project, 
uh, program we putting any brown or brooks out anywhere no with the winter trout program that's entirely rainbow okay yeah what about the spring program the spring they'll get some brown trout into in some of our spring program but it's mainly it's mainly rainbow okay also. we're mainly a rainbow state yeah and brandon i know you haven't been here in your position long but there's the history on trout as i understand it is that it they weren't native here except for the the brook trout, brook trout way right. east up yep. but the rainbow and even the brown we have weren't native they were more of a, like a mitigation fish is that is that correct right so uh through some land use practices up in east tennessee a lot of uh, of our native brook trout populations kind of got reduced and so they came back in and brought rainbow trout in to kind of backfill and start stocking in there and so they've kind of have taken hold in a lot of East Tennessee streams. So there's wild rainbows and wild browns that actually naturally reproduce here now, along with the brook trout. Um, but then we also, like I said, we stock uh, brook trout in our tailwaters. Mm-hmm. We stock brown trout and rainbow trout. And I really think of the tailwaters, too, is when you think of mitigating waters or waters that we're putting fish in because they're colder than they were 100 years ago before right. the dams were built. Right, when those fisheries were traditionally a smallmouth fishery uh, with uh, cold flows coming out below the dams. Now we, we kind of uh, mitigate that with the cold water fishery with the trout. Okay, all right. Now... And if you got something, pop in there. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm learning a lot here. Okay, all right. And if if you want to learn, if this thing's going to start in November. The the trout stocking will start in late November. Mm-hmm. I've been to many of the first days below here in Nashville, below Percy Priest Dam. It seems like that's in Middle Tennessee, the traditional starting. Yep. But if you want to find out where they are, where the schedule is, when the fish are going in, what do you need today? So, yeah, so you can go onto the website, uh, tnwildlife.org, and under the angler section, there's a rivers and streams tab. And on there, you can go to a stock trout page. And on that stock trout page, it has our uh, stocking location map. It has the days that we'll actually be stocking for the winter trout program. And then it also has our schedule for the spring stocking for the week of. So that's all laid out there. Um, So you should know when when they're going to be there. Just bookmark it and look at it all the time. Is it out there now, or will it be out it's there up. soon? Yep. Okay. It's up. It's right. already up. Right. I'm showing it Brand- to him, Doug. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. If you're watching, excellent. you can see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Brandon. <laughs> watching you out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's great. Um, and they need to refer to this often, because winter is winter, and sometimes right. you have uh, conditions that create – they create it creates conditions where our guys can't go right yeah so uh keep an eye on that every day because um, those those stockings could change you know if the roads are are too icy or something the hatchery can't get there um we'll move it back and we'll update it it'll be updated um if something happens it'll be changed so you'll know the day that the, the truck's gonna get there yeah we don't want our guys hurt we don't want y'all hurt either going out there fishing <laughs> yeah. the fish will wait you'll, you'll still get them but most of the time it seems like brandon in years past there's hardly ever been a, a stocking that's just postponed right really rare you usually get back out there and put them in at some point yep all right we'll any try to, we'll try to keep them up to date on, on twitter and facebook we will too, on that's those, great yeah. on yeah. those stockings we'll let yeah. you know winter what, what's going on and, and the conditions and all that um fishing for them you're a fisherman mm-hmm. what what tips would you give for fishing for these winter trout for the winter trout so i actually it's it's kind of cool so i actually started fishing this program long before i knew that i was going to work for twra or even had an That's idea cool, so really. fishing some of the ponds in west tennessee and memphis and so the, the easiest thing is just take a spinning rod out there grab you a small hook some split shot grab a can of whole kernel corn or power bait and go out grab a lawn chair and just sit out there and kind of enjoy the day That's, wait, <clears throat> wait for it to happen yeah wrap up a little bit if you have to yeah um 
That, that's good. And let's let's get him a little more specific in case someone never fished for trout. When you talk about getting the spinning reel out and the mm-hmm. rod, you know, that's of course we know what a spinning reel is. But keep that light that line really light. Don't put out ten or twelve pound. No, test. about six pound, six pound test. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, lights light split shot. Uh, just get it down. Um, and then yeah, small hook, maybe a size I don't know eight hook or even a small if you want to use a little treble hook like a little size fourteen something okay. really small. You kind of just think of it that Berkeley power egg, just enough that that tip mm-hmm. comes out of that out of that uh, out of that hook or a yep. couple of niblets at the most that comes out of it. Yeah, you got a secret two niblets or three niblets <laughs> or spraying it with WD forty or putting a little garlic on no, it or no. Be secret. careful, he's looking for all the secrets <laughs> yeah. he can get. <laughs> yeah, my mom always looking. All right, and every now and then I know Jason showed a photograph a while ago. Uh, of a larger fish and and i didn't want to confuse folks with that that's actually a del hollow fish okay it was caught by a guy that fishes there in the wintertime i put it out there because occasionally you guys will put a surprise in somewhere where the hatcheries will have we a brood do. fish and or a bigger fish yeah if the fish are available we'll put we often stock fish out we kind of spread them around across the state so the you, never, you never know where they're going to be at yeah. but uh rainbow trout up to 18 inches you know putting those ponds Nah, that's a that's a big fish. If you yeah. catch that one, you've had a good day. Go buy your lottery ticket yep. because that's you've done all right by that. And I, I, another tip or two for me on on the trout stuff, because uh, I've watched a lot of these guys. We have something called the we call them the trout warriors. They're veterans of Korea and World War Two, and they're getting a little on up in age too. But mm-hmm. they they gathered for years at these trout stockings, which makes them so special to me. Mm-hmm. Not just for kids, but some of these guys and ladies that that uh, need something to do, want something to do in the wintertime, and they have loved this program, and they can catch the heck out of fish. Mm-hmm. But I've watched a lot of them take those small spinners out there, especially yeah. in the tailwaters, mm-hmm. especially where there was a little water moving. They'll take a like a Met spinner or something like the old ABU, if you remember that, or a Panther Martin. They're mm-hmm. little bitty spinners with gold and silver blades and on light line and toss them out there. Sometimes just let them almost sit while they hold the rod high, and just let them spin, and mm-hmm. they'll reel them too. Yeah, just a real slow, and I've seen them catch them uh, almost coming out of the truck, <laughs> just about. But it's something else you might want to try if you got two rods, throw one out there, and then but anyway. Yeah, and they bite lightly sometimes. They do. So you got to be careful, careful with that. Uh, what about recipes? Do you cook them? I do. I, I take it pretty simple. I just take olive oil, just cover them that, and uh, season them. Throw them on a the grill, wrap them full, cook them for about five minutes on each side, and not flaying you're doing whole fish whole fish cut the head off gut them and whole fish yeah right. you got any mm. you got any cooking suggestions i, I like deep fried myself mm. well they'd be good like that <laughs> but but there's healthy right yeah yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> i guess right. i like fried too that's the way i would do it and it would be good i've done it on a grill too and they're, they're awful good like that um and you don't have to go buy them in the store when we're putting them out all right. over the place any idea numbers of trout we release in tennessee in a year yeah, so in a year, we stock about 1.9 million trout across the state. Golly. Yeah, within the winter program, I think we stock about 95,000 uh, go out. So wow. the majority of the fish are into the tailwaters, um, a little over a million and a half, around a million and a half just going to the tailwaters. Fishing, and this is too, Brandon, we, uh, I fish for them downriver, way downriver where they go in, so they travel. We've caught them trolling down on the Stones River, three miles below Percy Priest Dam. And a few years ago, fishing with my friend Vernon mm-hmm. below Cheatham Dam here in Middle Tennessee. Wow. Cheatham Dam. I don't know what the closest body what He caught a, he caught about a 12-inch rainbow trout. Wow. So that thing had come. It was a winter fish. It had come out of one of the streams down, I guess, down river. They can get over. They can come through the locks, yeah. too. 
but they these things are wayfarers. They will spread out. They will. Yeah, I've got I've had some calls when I first got here of, of people catching them ten miles upstream on the Harpeth River from our near stocking location. So they'll get out and they'll move around. So don't be too surprised if you pull <laughs> up a trout sometime. And and every now and then it seems to me listening to fishermen that they'll catch one or two or three in the summer because maybe they've found them a spring somewhere or something cold yeah so, i mean it, i don't think it'll yeah it won't hold over still throughout the summer there's there's not any water that that get that stays cold enough uh but they'll find some areas that they can hold on for as long as they can before. yeah so take them home yeah, that's the take thing. them home you yeah. might as well take them home and eat them and, yeah. and not try to grow them up to be trophies mm-hmm. all right all right anything else on the on the trout program because I want to talk just fishing with you for a minute, right. too. He's wanting to steal some of your tips. Is what he to do. <laughs> Are you taking notes for me? Yeah. Todd, take it. Todd, you taking notes for me? Uh, all right. Let's talk just fishing. You're a fisherman from um, from way back, mm-hmm. and you like the small waters like we do. Yep. And you're a big smallmouth person in addition to trout. I am. But uh, let's talk about small well, smallmouth fishing in the, in the little waters. Okay. How do you do it? So I, I usually take my... <laughs> Straight up. There he goes. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> Where do you do it? <laughs> so so I just have got back to Tennessee to fish. I was chasing redfish and snook down in Florida. So we got to talk I'm, about that, too. Yeah, so... <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm still kind of you know figuring it all out, but I fish right here in Nashville a lot, right right on the Harpeth, you know, 15 minutes down the road. That's a good point. That's a that's a great river, and a lot of people think because a river runs through congested areas that they're not good, and that's just not a fact. No, and there's some big smallmouth in there, some 20 inch plus you know smallmouth, and right here in Nashville. Yeah, that's a that's a big fish. Yeah. That's a big fish in the lake. You get yeah. that out of a small body of water, they're so strong. Yeah. Well, when you fish for them, are you canoeing? Are you kayaking? Are you wading? Or all the above? Kind of all of the above. A lot of times I'll take the kayak out if I'm going out by myself, and I'll paddle upstream as fish as far as I can for the day, and then uh, get to a certain point, and then just turn around and drift drift fish it all the way back. Um, I'll take my boat out sometimes and, and go on the lower parts of the rivers or out on the Cumberland and, and try to chase them around out there. But, yeah, a lot of it's just uh, out of my kayak or out of a canoe. Um, okay. And what kind of gear when you're fishing for smallmouth in these small bodies of water? I use a lot of light tackle. Um, I usually will take the cast net out and try to cast net up some stone rollers or something like that. Or I'll use just small soft plastics. Um Top waters, pop bars, the whopper plopper. Go, go, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss. What is a whopper plopper? I love it. It's a pretty unique uh, stick bait. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's got a big prop on the back, and you can kind of just work it across the top. Yeah, yeah. it's it's they come it's up and hit a that lot thing. of noise. Yep, and they'll uh, they'll destroy it. For better sure. than a buzz bait. Fine. I'd say so because you can actually stop it and it'll sit there, and then you can instead keep it going of. again instead of sinking. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Are you still light lining when you're on when you're fishing for smallmouth? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I think on my rod right now, I've probably got about six pound test on that. That and, seems about right. Yeah. And they, um, but they will break you off if you're not. Oh careful. yeah, a lot of time, a yeah. lot more more often than not for yeah. sure. When they get that size, they're just an yeah. incredible fish. I, the, that's why they're on our license plate and it's called the king of fish. Because yeah. if you ever cut one out of a small body of water, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're, they're special. All right. So when you uh, just as a tip, when you're in a canoe or a kayak, when you get a, do you ever stop and get out when you come across an area that looks special? Yep. Yeah. So I'll pull up usually at a little gravel bar or something and get out and. Uh, usually fish a deep hole for a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes, trying to work it as best as I can, um, see what I can pull out of there. And once I work that hole over, I'll just keep on, find, find the next spot, or I'll just pull off to the side and kind of wade up and down for a little while and 
just see see what it takes. You know, it, it changes every day you're out there, I feel like. Yeah, and there's a lot of bodies of water where you don't need permission. The, the Harpeth is a, is a large enough body of water that if you can find an access point, you're okay with that. Usually, yeah. Usually. Yep. <laughs> I, I always check, though. But if you're going to a lot of the smaller bodies of water in Tennessee is full of smallmouth streams, you need to knock on doors and ask for permission. Mm-hmm. And always, if you take anything in with you, like you're going to drink a Coke or whatever, bring the bottle back out with you okay right. that really hurts us when the ones don't don't mm-hmm. do that but uh just be responsible with the landowner and after you knock on the door and and uh, i never had any trouble getting permission when no, i knocked either. on the door getting onto a body of water yep. so good place to go what about you well, I, I think we need to get some crappie uh fishing tips he said he fished a lot of crappie did a lot of crappie fishing talk, in to, west our memphis. <laughs> talk, talk to our west tennessee friends how'd you catch crappie a lot Where'd of crappie fishing in the springtime just going uh fishing a lot of the state lakes uh Glen Springs, Herb Parsons, places like that. Um, and then we'd go down into Mississippi a little bit and fish down there. But simple, just using a little crappie jig, throwing up against the flooded cypress trees, and, and that's the way we'd do it. And give a plug to our West Tennessee Lakes folks. Pretty good lakes. Great lakes, yeah. Are they? Yeah. Like I said, that's where I cut my teeth on on fishing out there, and it's, it's yeah, there's a lot of good fishing that way. Jason and I went over and, and did an interview or two over there oh, back in the summer, and, and it's still out on our – it's still out on our, the number of things you can go look at on our show. Mm-hmm. So go over there and and check out some of their lakes. Well, I think we named them all at that time. Yeah, and there's a bunch of them. The possibilities of what you can do there, but it's always a good chance. Yep. Got another question? How about the mighty Mississippi? Did a lot of fishing on that on that body Actually, of water? Actually, no, no fishing out on the Mississippi. Some duck hunting, but that's the only time I get out there. Yeah. So let's right. let's talk about that. Not only do you fish, you duck hunt or deer hunt. Hey, I like to chase it all for sure. Awesome. I, I've been trying this fall. I haven't had any luck yet. Are you going to be a part of the blitz at all? The carp blitz? I'll be there out? next week. Yep. Okay. Yeah, chasing carp around the Kentucky Lake and and all that. We're going to so, go yeah. over there and get a lot of video and stuff, and we hope that you guys find a solution. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It's going to be good. It'll be a good partnership with Kentucky and try to really find out some of, a lot about these fish and distribution, kind of a relative abundance of these fish. And it'll be good. It'll be a right. learning experience for sure. All right. Brandon, running out of time, but just want to tell you, you did a great job. And we hope to get you back on here <laughs> yeah, for talking sure. about other stuff. And yeah. appreciate you coming down here and wish you the best of luck with Tennessee. Thanks. And I'll give you a call about those redfish and snook. <laughs> I'm really striking out on those things. All right. Uh, hey, if you want to watch this show or listen to this show, just uh, go to tnwildcast.com or tnwildlife.org. We're out there all day, every day. And watch us on Facebook and Twitter. We're putting out new reports and different information all the time yeah watch his extras are really good tell you a lot of information and we will see you next week remember you can watch all our shows anytime thank y'all